What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? 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 You are listening to The Bounce. As always, folks, this is episode 75. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. L'Oreal, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's the finals, baby. Boston, Golden State. Yep. I mean, I love this right here. I love it. Yes, and it's and it's June right now, so looking lovely. Oh, yes. Things getting are getting warmer. warmer. It's summer. <laughs> it's coming, baby. Exactly. Exactly. We also had Memorial Day that just passed. You know, we want to say, you know, thank you for all the soldiers that, you know, that fought for, you know, our lives and every day that, that defend this country, especially for us. So we appreciate all the soldiers that, you know, that did what they had to do. And, you know, my, my weekend was good. You know what I'm saying? That's why I got this shirt right now. You know, it's been two weeks in a row I've been wearing something green right now. So, you know, I had to, you know, <laughs> wear something green again. So let's go ahead and get the show on the road. Last weekend, Sunday night, if you didn't watch the game, the Boston Celtics defeated the Miami Heat 100-96 to game seven. And listen, if y'all were complaining about blowouts and y'all wanted a close game, well, <laughs> Game seven was a close game, if you wanted to be honest. The last three, those last three to four minutes, those were close as hell. But anyway, the Boston Celtics, they defeated the Miami Heat. They're heading to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010. And 2010, that's been like, that's 12 years. My goodness. I was about, what, 16, 17 years old around that time. I was, I was a junior in high school. So, yeah. Jason Tatum, who had 24 points in that game, he also became the first ever Larry Bird Eastern Conference Finals MVP. He averaged 25 points, eight rebounds, five assists per game in the series. And look, I mean, we could get credit to Jalen Brown, L. Horford, Marcus Smart, Emmanuel Doka, the head coach. Shout out to him. L'Oreal, let's get started right away because this team beat Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and the Miami Heat to get to the finals. How impressive are you in the Celtics' run to the NBA Finals? I'm extremely impressive of this run that Boston has done to the finals. And the point that you make about all the teams, like Boston has beat all the teams and has beat them within the last three seasons, the Brooklyn Nets, the Miami Heat, the Milwaukee Bucks. And the way that they did it specifically this season, they done it in such a beautiful fashion. I mean, they swept Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Even if even if Brooklyn didn't have Joe Harris or Brooklyn wasn't as tough as Brooklyn um, as Boston was, Boston still swept Brooklyn with a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, folks. Then they they go against Milwaukee a little bit tougher because Milwaukee they was going at it, but the fact that Boston was able to steal a game at Milwaukee and was able to close out the series got to give them credit for that. Then what we see in Miami, of course, a lot of people wasn't expecting the series to go seven games, but Boston still managed to play at least three games in Miami where they won those games. So what I'm getting from Boston is that they're a tough team. They're a very great team on the road. And I think people should be giving more credit to them. You know, you know, what's crazy, Jabari, and we'll talk about it more later, but a lot of people think that Boston can't hang in this finals. And I'm like, come on, man. This is the Boston Celtics we're talking about here. Exactly. The Boston Celtics. I'm going to just break it down for y'all. Another reason why I'm so impressive of this Boston team is that this is the best defensive team that we have seen 
in Boston Celtics history and just period. I mean, this has been the best defensive team in Celtics history since 1963. Guess who played during that time? Bill Russell. The great I mean, Bill, Bill Russell. Russell the great they Bill They was Russell. playing defense, and NBA was way different back then. But that just shows you how elite defensively this Boston Celtic team is. Just look at the personnel that's on this team. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I mean, guys who are emerging year by year superstars. Look at the supporting cast they have. Um, you have Derek White that you got from I believe the trade deadline. Um, Robert Williams, who who they drafted, Peyton Pritchard, who they drafted, um, Al Horford, who they got it from a trade, uh, Marcus Smart, of course, a lot of these other guys, Nate Smith, who they drafted, and the coach Ime Udoka, who used to be an assistant for the Brooklyn Nets, and in his first year he was able to get the Brook, he was able to get the Boston Celtics to the finals. That's amazing, man. That's amazing, and. On top of that, their first in point differential, their second in points allowed. So, again, you see how tough their defense is. I mean, look at some of the games. They held Milwaukee Bucks to, I believe, 80, 89 points. Uh, they held Brooklyn to about 80-something points. They held Miami to about 89 points. So that just shows you how they can be able to have their way in a lot of these games. And on top of that, they're third in blocks. So when I just look at this Boston Celtics team, it's just beautiful to see what they do defensively, and it's just beautiful to see what they've done as a team. I mean, I swear, like, back back in that time where they was all the way, like, low, we thought that Boston would even make it to the playoffs almost. But the fact that they climbed up so far and it's been one of the Who? Who did they think they're going to make the playoffs? I did. I, I, <laughs> you know at the beginning of the season? I I still thought they were going to make the play. Come on. Come on, L'Oreal. Come on. Still, we have to we have to make sure that we highlight the fact that Boston has done an amazing turnaround. And I'm just I'm, – I'm happy for them, man. They did it this year. They did it. And I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for them this season. Uh, I do want to say this about, you know, you want to bring up the 1960s. But let's be very clear. Let us shout to the Celtics, you know. The, all they were doing was win, 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 win with Bill Russell. With the, when you have the great Bill Russell, you're going to win no matter what. I would say that the, everything was, listen, the 1960s is completely different to what it is now. Okay. You know, shout out to them. I don't, I don't like really comparing to what happened in the sixties and now because times were different, get game, the game was different and whatnot, you know, but I always give people's, you know, props to their greatness, no matter what. Here's what I would say. And I want to bring this up. I am very impressive. Very, very impressive. I, as a matter of fact, I am shocked. They even made it to the finals. If you ask me, if you would have told me, that the Boston Celtics were going to the finals. I would say I would love to see that, but at best, I'd probably see them go to the conference finals. Because I said it last year. Last year, I said everybody was over-exaggerating. Everybody was thinking, what happened last year? Oh, well, this is who the Celtics are. And I said, no, they will be fine. They'll be one of the three best teams in the East, and they can possibly go to the conference finals. And what happened? They they not only went to the conference finals, they're the NBA finals, NBA finals. And look, I understand <laughs> it wasn't pretty. This season was not pretty because if you look at it, this team was 18 and 21 and they were the 11th seed. They were out of, they, they weren't even in the playoff pitcher. They, forget about the playoff pitcher. They weren't even in the play-in pitcher, 11th seed. Yeah. And then since, since January 6th, they were 33 and 10. 
33 and 10, which made their season record at the end of the day, 51 and 31. They lost 10 games, 10 games in the last 43 games. They lost 10 games the last 43 games. And whatever happened, the energy shift, like as Jayla Brown would say, they just switched just like that. The energy shifts so crazy that Jason Tatum, Jayla Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horvath, Robert Williams, they balled out. And then they said, you know what? That was not enough. We're going to go after Derek White, Daniel Dice. We're going to make sure that we keep paying pitcher. And listen, no, no disrespect to guys like Josh Richardson or Dennis Schroeder, Jabari Parker, or Ennis Cantor. But if we got to get key players to help us win right now, we're going to do what we got to do. And look, I, and look, let's be real. Ennis Cantor and Jabari Parker, like, no disrespect, but we need to get someone better. For Boston, I'll say this right now. For them to beat Brooklyn, and not only beat them, but just sweep them, boy. They swept the Brooklyn Nets in close games. That was impressive. Against KD and Kyrie, Lord have mercy. That's saying something. Brooklyn beat Boston last year, and they took them out. Then you look at the next series, Milwaukee versus Boston. Yes, Chris Milton was not there, but pipe down real quick. They beat Milwaukee in seven games. Now, I do recall three years ago, Milwaukee went against Boston and Milwaukee beat them in five games. And now look at it right now. They said, we're going to beat you in seven. Then you look at the conference finals. Two years ago, I remember two years ago, the Miami Heat beat Boston in the bubble. Conference finals. They said, you know what? We're going to beat you guys once again. And yes, it went to seven. It wasn't pretty, but they, they got their revenge. They beat the Miami Heat. They said, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam and Bow, Kyle Lowry, Max Struess. It doesn't matter. Boston is seven. And that's what it is. They say, you know, they say, they say Steve Nash, Eric Spolcher, Mike Budenholzer. Y- y- y'all straight. Y'all all right. But this man, Emmanuel Doka, is saying, I got next. And that's what I'm saying right now. I am impressed of what I've seen. And this is, and these are the same people who said that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown couldn't work as a duo. That you had to break up this duel. I recall. Nonsense. I remember Nonsense. people saying, I just couldn't believe it. People were saying they should trade Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Robert Williams for Ben Simmons. And I said, no way, no how. Are you out your flipping mind? I mean, what? They could have just said trade Marcus Smart for Ben Simmons. And I still would say no. No way, no how. They kept on thinking that you couldn't work that this team cannot get together and get to the finals or even win a championship with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You guys have forgotten. They've been to the conference finals multiple times, multiple times. And y'all saying they can't even win a championship together or even get to the finals? Stop it. Stop it. For For a duo that's been together for five seasons, I thought that was premature. And for them to go through all of that, go to the finals, I ain't got nothing else to say. They said that Marcus Smart wasn't a real point guard. Marcus Smart did what he had to do to help them win the game. Now, of course, game seven, there was a lot of times he take ill-advised shots. I ain't gonna lie about that. But he hit two clutch free throws to seal the deal. Get at Marcus Smart. Al Horford, man. You know, you know this man has the most playoff games without a finals appearance. For him to now get to the finals, wow, yes. I'm like amazed. 141 15, 15 games. <laughs> All right, bro. Yeah, 15 seasons, 141 playoff games before reaching the finals, and he finally did it. 
And I know there's a lot of people who was crapping on him as far as he didn't have a good game in game six, particularly in game six. But the day before game six, Al Horford's grandfather passed away. And, 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 and a lot of people didn't know that, but I think that sometimes, and listen, I understand that people are going to critique your game, going to say Al Horford had a bad game. What happened? The fact that he did had a bad game, um, that, that his grandfather passed away before he, you know, game six, I'm not going to criticize him. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to lay low on, on Al Horford, but even though his grandfather passed away, was rest in peace to his grandfather, he came in game seven and he impact on both ends of the floor. And that's why you saw when he was on that floor, he was yelling so loud. He was like, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, you, yeah you she felt it. Because he, the energy. Yes, 15 years, 141 playoff games, and he is finally in the finals. I'm happy for that man. And these are the same people who said he was washed, that he couldn't play anymore. He was a negative player. Once he came back to Boston, you saw the impact that he made. The Boston Celtics are not even in this position without Al Horford. And I am so happy that he is back in Boston. Now, here's what I will say. Emmanuel Doka, you know, did you know that, that his woman was Nia Long? Yes, it's me alone. Yes, yes, and we she need. She is so yes. so happy that yes. her husband <laughs> yeah. is looking like a winner. <laughs> well, well, you know what, you know, you know, you know, funny that about Nia Long. Let me let me say this, Nia Long. You know, I um uh, in two thousand seven, this was around Christmas time or before the New Year's. I actually met Nia Long at Tours of Us. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and yes. I told my dad. I told my dad. I said, "Hey, like, hey, that's that's Nia Long right there." That's Nia Long. He was like, no, 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 don't play. And then when I when I actually uh-huh. followed her around, her son was there. And I think she had like, I don't know, maybe his mother or somebody else with her. But I recall she said that, hey, like, you know, that toy you want, you want to, you want to get that when we go back to LA. And and I saw her, I was like, that's Nia Long. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? But you know, it's all good. You know, anytime, you know, Nia Long, you can come, you can come to, you know, to TD Garden any day. You can watch the Boston Celtics any day. You know what I'm saying? It's always great when you see her, you know, in the arena, you know, and being with her man, you know, Emmanuel Doka. But anyway, that man, Emmanuel Doka, see, I told you, when you have a head coach who comes from the Pakovich tree, great things happen. He is a great Pakovich disciple. When you learn from the great Pakovich, the great, great Pakovich, you get great things that end up being great results. Shout out to him. He is also the first coach, the first rookie coach to win multiple game sevens. Shout out to, shout out to Emei Doka. All it, all it has to do, all you have to do is have a level of patience, patience, and great things happen. And, you know, what are the chances of them winning the title this year? Listen, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, our predictions a little bit later, but I think that the way how Boston is looking, listen, they fulfilled what they need to do to complete their revenge tour. Next up, it's time to win a championship. And you already know the deal is because Tatum and Brown, they're not going anywhere. And Boston did everything they needed to do to get in this position. And we're going to see what Boston is going to do against Golden State. And it will start game one, in San Francisco at Chase Center. So let's go with a team where their season is over with, and that is the Miami Heat. Now, they played game seven on Sunday. Wire to wire, they were always down. They never had the lead in this game, but they just came up short at the end. 
The Heat, they were down by 13 points with three minutes and 35 seconds left. And you would have thought that, you know, when they were making this run at the end, that it was all Jimmy Butler. But Max Truce, Victor Oladipo, Kyle Lowry were the reason why they made this run. They made an 11-0 run late in the fourth quarter. I, I, I remember like it was yesterday. With less than 20 seconds, 20 seconds left, Jimmy Butler had the ball in his hands after Marcus, Marcus Smart hit like this ill-advised shot. I mean, he went to the basket. But still, Jimmy Butler had, had the ball in his hands and he missed a potential go-ahead bucket. That, that could have been a three. That, that could have gave them a lead. And, the, and if they would have had the lead, then that means that the Celtics would have been down one with the opportunity to see if they could score or not. You know, you know possibly they could have won this game. But, at, but Jimmy Butler, in transition, went for a three and he missed. He had 25. He had, what, what he had? He had 35 points in that game. He, was average, he averaged 25 points in the series. Um, but it was too little, too late. And Marcus Smart, he hits two clutch free throws and basically the game is over. That was it. A lot of people, you know, was, was kind of debating, was it the right play or not? L'Oreal, did Jimmy Butler with less than 20 seconds left, did he make the right decision at the end? I think Jimmy did. And just think about it from this perspective. We know that Jimmy Butler is the best player on this team. And we know that the Miami Heat, as much as they try to have um, a triumphant run in these playoffs, injuries have just really been on them so hard this season. So hard. I mean, during this playoffs, they suffer a lot of injuries. Tyler Hero being out with that hamstring, I believe, or groin. Um, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler. So when you just think about it from that perspective, Jimmy Butler was probably thinking about that a lot when making that shot or just playing in game seven because it was down to the wire at home. You have to go big or you was going to go home for literally. So Jimmy, I think that, you know, it doesn't, he's like not the right person to make the shot. I think that he's the right person to make the shot. And I think he was more than capable of making the shot. That shot, unfortunately, just didn't fall. I mean, like when you saw the shot go up, you kind of had a feeling like, uh, I don't know if this even going to go in because the way the shot was. And you got to give credit to Boston defense because Boston played great zone defense while Jimmy was doing that shot. And, you know, that's why Jalen was like, oh, my God, like when Jimmy did the shot. But other than that, like Miami, where they had just had so many injuries where they were just running out of steam. Like You could tell that Miami was giving their all as much as they could but they just ran out of steam. And this is what, exactly what I was talking about, about Miami's inconsistencies. They be inconsistent for a long time to where they, you know, can be busting them, busting their ass off, trying to win a game. And then they just running out of steam. And I think this is what happened. They ran out of steam and they couldn't get the job done, even if they forced seven games. But other than that, I don't think Jimmy Butler should be crucified because he made this shot. I think the shot was a normal shot. It was nothing, you know, non-Jimmy Butler-like. And it was just unfortunate that it didn't go through. Well, you know, I will say this. First of all, if there's if there's anybody who's going to take the last shot, it was going to be Jimmy Butler. Okay, not Bam, not Kyle Lowry, you know, although he has some shots where, he, where it was big. Max Struess, Victor Lodipo. No, it was going to be Butler. It was, it was going to be Jimmy Butler or die. Now, of course, he doesn't regret the shot. He said, I'm, I'm going to take that shot no matter what. I'll take it every single time. Like, it is what it is. I don't have a problem with him taking the last shot. 
I have a problem at that moment because when I watched that game and you know me, I'm a Celtics fan. So I was watching that game, right? When they, when the heat were making that run, I was just thinking in my mind, the Celtics are not going to lose this game. Like there's no way they're going to lose this game. When Butler had the ball and he's going, he's, he's running in transition. He pulls up for three. My mindset was thinking if this dude make this shot and why did he take that shot? Because, because if you look at it, he only hit the left. It was like either the left side or like the left front of the of the rim. Like that's where that's where he missed it at. It wasn't like it was in and out or it looked like he hit the back of the rim. No, it was like on the left side and probably hit the front of the rim. When I saw that, I was thinking to myself that I understand that they were tired. They, they obviously Jimmy Butler was tired. I mean, he played every minute. I mean, he was fatigued. And I, I get that. And of course, they didn't want to play overtime. My issue is that. You had enough time. It was less than 20 seconds left. All you had to do was just hold it, take the last shot, and see what happens. That's what I thought that could have been done. Now, of course, I had I didn't have a problem with Al Horford backing away because probably Al Horford, Al Horford was thinking, Butler's trying to go and try to go to the basket, something like that. And probably gonna hit for two because worst case scenario, that he could either get a bucket to the basket or draw a foul and possibly, you know, hit two free throws, or they could have just hit a jump shot, hit like a mid-range jumper. But going for three at that time, I didn't know if that was the right call. I, like I said, I'm okay with the fact that Butler took the last shot. But at that time, I think they should have waited. That's what I thought should have happened. Now, of course, the defense could set up. You never know what could have happened. At some point, they probably, was, they probably was thinking like, look, well, Butler, he's a, listen, he's not good from, from three. Because in this series, he actually shot 29% from, from the three-point line. I mean, if I'm Al Horford, yeah, I'm gonna back away from Butler because he hasn't been shooting well from three as of late. But I, I don't have a problem because he can make those shots because he's kind of inconsistent when you think about it. this. Like this year, I don't care what the, what the playoffs say. This year, he's kind of streaky when it comes from three. I don't have a problem with him taking the shot. It's just taking the shot at that time. That's my issue. But at the same time. I'm not going to kill this guy. I mean, there's 41 points in game one. He had 47 points in game six. They're not in this situation without Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy, like everyone, I remember people were saying that for the Miami Heat, people were saying that, man, I don't know if Jimmy Butler should have been an all-star this year or he was the best player. Jimmy Butler is the reason why the Miami Heat was even the number one seed in the first place. Jimmy Butler was the reason why they were even close to even getting to the finals this year in the first place so if there was anybody who was going to take the last shot it was going to be jimmy butler because he knew that boston was the better team he knew that let's say even if he tied the game let's say he goes goes for a layup or hits a mid-range jumper boston still would have had the ball and potentially could have won them the game they could have they could have had the, the last shot and game over but let's say even if worst case scenario they go to overtime right that means they got to play five more minutes. Butler's tired. Bam is tired. Laurie, Shrews, PJ Tucker, like Victor Oladipo. These boys are tired. You think they want to play five more minutes of NBA basketball? No. I, I, and, and I understand that Boston, they were tired too. But Boston was the better team. They had better talent. And they were prepared to play five more minutes if necessary. That's why, you know, that's why I went um, last year when it was Milwaukee versus Brooklyn, game seven, Kevin Durant, you know, when they were going to overtime, that man was trying to hit a three every single time, like to end of the game, because 
if you think about it, Kevin Durant was trying to finish the game, period. Like, he wanted that game to be over. Because Why? Because that man was tired. I mean, how many minutes that man play? Like, over 50 minutes? So, yeah, Kevin Durant was tired. And I'm sure Jimmy Butter was thinking, Negro, I'm tired. Like, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to finish this game quickly. So, like I said, I have no problem with him taking that shot. Because all series long, they were not good from three in the first. But they shot 30, what is it, 30% from three. They shot 20% from three-point line in game seven. So, look, you do what you can to win. I understand. And so, to me, I'm okay with Jimmy Butler doing it, whatever it takes to win. So, hats off to Jimmy. He put it, listen, he put the team on his back. Nobody should slander Jimmy Butler at all because he did what he had to do. He's a top 15 player. But uh, it's interesting what's going to happen to Miami, though, you know, because Jimmy, Jimmy Butler has a player option, you know, after this year. So it's going to be intriguing to see if he opts in or opts out. But remember, he did say that he wished he was on Joel Embiid's team again. Mm. Remember that. Tobias over me? Think about that. Mm, think about that. <laughs> All right, so moving on. All right, so Boston and Golden State are in the NBA Finals. And, you know, we got to bring this up. And the reason why we bring this up, because guess what? Three years ago, Kyrie Irving was with the Boston Celtics. Kevin Durant was with the Golden State Warriors. They both let Boston and Golden State, respectfully, you know, in a separate ways, individually, they both left their teams, their former teams, to go to the Brooklyn Nets. And look what it is now. The Celtics and the Warriors are in the finals while KD and Kyrie are at home right now. They Listen, they may be in Cancun, Rome, Tokyo, Japan, or maybe at their homes just chilling, watching television. You know, it is what they're, they're rich people. They do what they have to do. And, you know, a lot of people talked about, you know, what would a championship mean to go to state, you know, without Kevin Durant. But I don't think a lot of people was talking about what would a championship mean to Boston without Kyrie Irving. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of things to talk about this. And so we're going to talk about this right now because a lot of people will give KD slack if the Warriors win. But a lot of people are going to get Kyrie slack if the Celtics win the championship. Which player looks worse if their former team wins the title? Kyrie or KD? I'm going with Kyrie, and let's break it down. Kyrie came to Boston in 2017. Clearly, Danny Ainge's motive of getting Kyrie to Boston was to make him the franchise player. Because remember, about a year prior, the Cavaliers, Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, won the ring. And at the time, Kyrie, when he was drafted by Cleveland, was supposed to be their so-called franchise player until LeBron James came back. So Boston wanted to get Kyrie to make him that franchise player so they could win championships, be a championship type of team. Then they started drafting Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and, you know, they started picking up Gordon Hayward and Al Horford at the time, trying to build a team, but somehow they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it work. Now, when we think about Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant joined Golden State 2016, the year or months after Golden State beat them, and I believe in the conference finals. When oh, Kevin Durant joined, right. yes, when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, immediately they won. Back-to-back rings, he won back-to-back finals MVPs. That's the thing people don't understand. Even though, even though we could talk about this for hours and hours about his decision and stuff like that. He did go to Golden State and win back-to-back championships 
and won back-to-back finals MVPs. That's still pretty impressive. And guess what? Kevin Durant did that, and he was the reason why people started to even question Steph Curry. Because they was thinking, well, if Kevin Durant's here getting all these rings and getting finals MVPs, what are you doing? Are you even the Steph Curry that we think you are? People was literally questioning him about that. And when it came to Kyrie at Boston, people was questioning whether or not Kyrie can even be a star in Boston, literally. Like, remember, Kyrie Irving took time off. Kyrie Irving barely played. And when he did, it didn't give the Boston Celtics the impact that it did, as opposed to when you look at what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown was able to do. These are young guys, and they've been able to take their team to the conference finals at least four or five times. That's crazy. That's insane. So when you look at this, the bigger picture is that if the Boston Celtics win the championship, you're going to be looking like, dang, like if only Kyrie Irving was on this team. For real, because if Kyrie Irving was on this team, we probably would be like, oh, no doubt in our minds there'll be a championship team. But the fact that they was able to do it without him, the back, the fact that they have their first-year coach to get them to the finals just shows you how strong Boston is. And let's be real, Golden State already won a ring and won a championship in 2015. Just because their last two rings was won with Kevin Durant doesn't mean that the Golden State Warriors are incapable of winning the championship. And that's the biggest thing with the Warriors this time around. You have to show us that y'all can still be championship pedigree and win a championship and be a championship type of team. Look, I don't think that anybody should be mad that Kyrie or Kevin Durant left their former teams. I'm not mad that Kyrie Irving left Boston, and I'm not mad that Kevin Durant left Golden State. I mean, I definitely was not mad that he left Golden State. I mean, Lord have mercy. I was so happy about that. But anyway, what Kevin Durant did in 2016, I would never forget. Yeah, he won two finals MVPs, and look, he did his thing. He was the best player on that team, and I'm not going to lie about that. But here's my thing, and I and I will say this. Now, the Celtics win the championship. No one's going to get on Kyrie and say he needs to win a title. No, no one's going to look at Kyrie and say that there's extra pressure on him because he needs to win a championship. No, no one's going to get on that. Even though I believe that the Celtics are better without Kyrie Irving, it's, it's proof that it is. No one's not going to get on Kyrie and say he needs to win a championship. But if the Warriors win a championship without Kevin Durant again, that's going to look very, very bad and look worse on KD because here's the thing. They won a championship in 2015 with Harrison Barnes. And then if they win a title with Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins as their, as their what, three or four guys, four for fifth or whatever the heck it is, they won a championship with Andrew Wiggins. That's going to look bad because Kevin Durant, this man was with OKC, blew a 3-1 lead. And to a team who he joined two months later. Yeah, everybody's going to be saying what, what people have been validating for a long time. You got a free ride. You was not a bus driver. You was a bus rider. They didn't need you until the finals where, yeah, yeah, I'm averaging 30 plus point, 20 plus points per game. And do I have to do out playing LeBron James? Yeah, you can do that because you, you go you, with the Warriors. You with the Warriors, they were they didn't need you to go to the finals. They did that easy. It's like uh, imagine if the Miami Heat with Wade and Bosch goes to the finals and wins a title without LeBron James. You won't look at them like, well, 
how how valuable were you? How valuable were you, LeBron James? If you can't win a title, if they win a title without you, imagine if the Bulls, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, uh, B.J. Armstrong would have won a title without Michael Jordan. People would have said, well, well, "Well, how valuable Michael Jordan was to that team." I mean, they won a championship without you. So if that's if the if the Warriors win the championship, then what that tells me is that. It could have been Wiggins, Barnes. It could have been Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, Gordon Hayward, Paul George. It doesn't matter. You bring a decent small forward, they still would have won those titles. They didn't need Kevin Durant to get to the finals. They just needed to say, hey, look, look, once we're in the finals, do your thing. It is what it is. But I believe that they could have had any uh, all-star caliber small forward, and they still would have won the whole thing. And if that happens... The clock is ticking for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant needs to prove to us, prove to the world that he can win a championship without Golden State. If the Warriors win this year, if they win this year or at all, then every year we're going to say, we're going to win a championship, Kevin Durant. We're going to win. Are you going to win this year? If not this year, then then it's going to be next year. If not now, then win. If not now, then win. There will be so much pressure on Kevin Durant that we're gonna have to we gonna have to look at it and say, are you as great as we thought you are? Because if the Warriors win this title, they're not gonna say that Kevin Durant is better than Steph Curry. They're gonna say Steph Curry is better than Kevin Durant all time. You notice L'Oreal, and this is your guy. This is a guy who you have root for, who you defend. You defended him for even going to go to say in the first place. If the Warriors win, you know that clock is gonna be ticking. Hey, KD, when you gonna win the championship, my guy? Now, I would say this. The clock's been ticking since she arrived in Brooklyn. Well, now, now I would say this. No one would ever say that the, that the Warriors were the better team without him. No one would ever say that. No, now, even OKC. No one would ever say that OKC is a better team without Kevin Durant. No one would say that. But for Kyrie Irving, oh, yeah, they would definitely say that the Celtics are better without Kyrie Irving. Now, with the Cavaliers, of course, ain't nobody going to say that the Cavaliers were a better team without Kyrie Irving. The Cavaliers don't win that championship without Kyrie Irving. LeBron James could tell you that. But Kevin Durant, yes, the clock is t- it was already ticking, but the clock will be ticking even more if the Warriors win again without Kevin Durant. And by the way, while Kevin Durant is, you know, with those Twitter fingers, responding to Draymond Green, all those people, uh, he needs, he needs to work. This, hey, hey, look, hey, I told you, L'Oreal, last year, I said he needs to, he needs to stop caring about what people think. He needs to, he need to get out his feelings. He needs to go out there and try to do what he can to win a championship. I'm, I'm dead serious. Stop worrying about what Draymond Green and what Golden State be saying, bro. Do, you got to ball out. You got to win a title. Come on, man. Prove me. Prove others that you can win a championship without, without Steph Curry and Golden State Warriors. Come on, man. Yeah, there's no more time to be talking. That time is ticking. And that's the thing for Kevin Durant to be in Brooklyn for three seasons and you only won a couple playoff series. That's unacceptable, really. Yeah. When we talk about, you know, the caliber that Kevin Durant is. So he got to step it up, man. Yeah. He got to because it's not looking good. And it's like, it's it's pretty much like the Warriors is like a grizzly bear and like poking him. And they keep poking him and poking him and poking him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or anything associated with the Warriors keeps poking him and poking him. And it's like, he probably regrets going there. I mean, it's just that the the past two seasons, the Warriors didn't even make it to the playoffs. Yet this year, they won more playoff series 
than Kevin Durant did in the in the last three years that he was in Brooklyn. That that's crazy. They're in the finals, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can't even get to the conference finals. They can't even get to the conference finals with the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. Ky- and Kyrie, look look at Boston. Eastern Conference Finals, first round, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals. They already in new heights more than Kyrie Irving. I think that either way, regardless who you feel who, who, who will look worse between Kyrie and Kevin Durant, it's looking bad for the Brooklyn Nets either way. All right, so big news for the L.A. Lakers this past weekend. Darvin Ham was hired as the new head coach for the L.A. Lakers. And if you don't know about him, this guy, he's actually from Saginaw, Michigan. So he is a Michigan-made brother. And, you know, we from, you know, we from Michigan. We from Detroit. So, you know, shout out to him, by the way. He also played in the NBA for nine seasons. He also was along with the Detroit Pistons. He has a championship. He was with the Bad Boy 2 Pistons and 2004 so he does have a championship ring shout out to that brother he also was an assistant coach you know since 2011 in the nba with the lakers the hawks and the bucks he also has listen he's also worked under mike brown mike d'antoni and mike budenholzer with the hawks and the bucks and he does have a championship as an assistant coach last year so he's he's basically been working through you know working with a lot of players i mean he's worked with kobe bryant dwight howard steve nash Giannis, Al Horford, Jeff T and others. And he would have more control with the Lakers team than Frank Boga had. And look, I understand the front office and the organization, they need to get the hell out the way and let this man do what he has to do. Do you like or dislike this coaching move for the Lakers? I really like this coaching move. I think that Darvin Ham, when you look at this move and why the Lakers made this move, it's clear that he is the personnel that the Lakers need. They need to get back to that championship type of pedigree, get to that fresh new start, and most importantly, figure out the way to be the team that they always have been, a great offensive team and a great defensive team. Even if they won a so-called meaningless championship back in the bubble in 2020, they still won that championship off of what? Great defense and good offense. When you think of Darvin Hand. I mean, besides the fact that he was a part of that 2004 Pistons team and he has won a championship with Detroit, I think looking at his resume, it's impressive to see how he's been an assistant coach. And also, um, I think the biggest thing with Darvin Ham with being a part of the Lakers as their head coach is that he can help them elevate themselves. The biggest thing with the Lakers is that especially looking into this free agency in this offseason, They have to make a lot of changes. They have to upgrade themselves because the Lakers cannot possibly think that they can go into next season being the same team that they were. They absolutely cannot do that. Um, Some people got to leave. Some people going to have to stay. And obviously making the decision of getting Darvin Ham as the head coach, you're making that decision of, hey, this is our first beginning step of we want to elevate ourselves and this is how we're going to do it. I mean, just imagine like what he can do offensively and defensively that could be really great for the Lakers. I mean, if if Anthony Davis can somehow be carved into a better player because of the mentorship of Darvin Ham, that would be amazing. If um, Taylor Horton Tucker can be that promising young star or even like an Austin Reeves be the promising young stars for this Lakers team, I think Darvin Ham can help him do that. And most importantly, 
you obviously need somebody that will complement LeBron James' schemes and game plans. I think Darvin Ham is about that action. I don't think he take anything, you know, not seriously. I think he can command respect. He can command that love in the locker room. I think he could be cool with LeBron James. And I think for the Lakers, this is a good start. The only thing that will just hold the Lakers back is that if Jeannie Buss in the front office does so. Other than that, if Darvin Ham and LeBron James can guide this team to be back where they need to be in the West, I think the Lakers will be just fine. Darvin Ham signed a four-year deal with the Lakers. I'll just keep it real with you. I think that this is a good move for now. Um, I'm just very intrigued to see how this, you know, turned out to be. I mean, look, you gave him more control than you did with Frank Vogel. Because, look, you know, Frank Vogel, I mean, look, he was basically just there just to be there. I'm concerned that this is probably going to be short term. I mean, when you look at the last, what, three, four Laker coaches, I mean, how long was was Frank Vogel there? Three seasons. Luke Walton, three seasons. Mike Brown, a season and a half. Mike D'Antoni, a season and a half. Byron Scott, two seasons, two or three seasons. You know, the, the person who was there the longest was Phil Jackson, and he took a break for one year. But still, for the Lakers, I think this is good for now. But I still think to myself, what's LeBron James going to do after his last year of his deal is LeBron James going to be with the with the Lakers after 2023 is Russell Westbrook still going to be there because look because Russell Westbrook ain't going nowhere they can't find anybody who wants Russell Westbrook okay they want the take it back there's teams who want Russ they just want they just want to make sure you give up that first round draft pick and the Lakers like no we're not doing that so that's their L right there so they got to keep Russell Westbrook who are these guys they're going to look for who are these guys these young players, decent players who could play defense and can play around Russ, LeBron, and AD. Can AD stay healthy? I'm intrigued to see what Darvin Ham does for this team. I'm sure he's going to make sure that they play harder. He learned from Mike Brown and Mike Budenholzer. So I know that he's going to do something for this team that can that can improve them for next season. I'm just, I'm just trying to find out, is this going to be short-term or long-term? Because I would not be surprised that in two years, they just let him go. Because I just don't know if they're going to say, hey, you know what? Darvin Ham, we don't have LeBron anymore. We don't have Russ anymore. I just think that we need to move on. I just don't know what they're going to do. Because the Lakers, let's let's just keep it real. They're in a win-now mode. Anytime you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, you first forget about AD. Anytime you have LeBron James, you are in a win-now situation. And if you're not there to win a title, why should LeBron James be there? Why should you are in LA? You are playing for the Lakers. It is about winning a championship. And if you're not there to win a title, then LeBron James should just leave. It's plain and simple. He should just leave. Russ is out there after next season. So he's going to be gone. Anthony Davis is going to be there for a couple of years. But with Darvin Ham as the new head coach, he needs to do whatever it takes to make sure that they are competing. Because as we said beforehand, it's not a guarantee they're going to make it to the playoffs next season. I'm intrigued to see that who is going to be his coaching staff. I'm intrigued to see what plays they're going to be running. And are they actually going to get better defensively? Because they can't have a bunch of old geezers. If they're thinking about getting those old geezers back to L.A., then say bye-bye. They, they, y'all gone. So we're going to see what happens for the Lakers. Like I said, I got no problem with any brothers from any brothers or anybody who's from Michigan getting a head coaching job or getting a position in sports. 
but we will see if this is going to be short term or long term. All right, folks, so we're getting set for the NBA season success, failure, or neutral. As you know, there are four teams that were in the conference finals. Two are in the finals, but two teams are out. And we have the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat. So let's go ahead and talk about these two teams, and we're going to find out if their season was a success, failure, or neutral. So first up, the Dallas Mavericks. They were 52 and 30. They beat the Utah Jazz in six in the first round. And they beat the Phoenix Suns after being down 0-2. They were down 0-2 in the, in the semifinals and beat the Suns in seven. But they lost to the Golden State Warriors in five games. It was five games, people. Five games. L'Oreal, was this season a success, failure, or neutral? This is definitely a success for the Dallas Mavericks because when you think about the fact that they were number four for the Western Conference, that home court advantage. You got to give credit to Jason Kidd in his first year as a head coach. Did a tremendous job with the supporting cast. I think for Dallas, Dallas, you know, they they got themselves in this position. When you think about um, at the trade deadline, the decision to trade Christophe Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie and David Bertans, it changed the whole trajectory of the team. Everyone started playing well, and I think Dallas has done a tremendous job by beating Phoenix, by at least, you know, not getting swept by Golden State, but making it a five-game series. And I think looking at what Luka has done, Jacob Brunson and what he has done as well, he's averaged 21 points in this postseason. That is tremendous, big numbers from what he did previous seasons before Dallas had a successful season. Yeah, I would definitely say this was a successful season. I mean, anyway, I mean, if they would have won a playoff series, it still would it would still have been a success either way. But for them to not only beat the Utah Jazz, but to beat the Phoenix Suns. I mean, the Phoenix Suns were a favorites to even not only go to the finals, but to, but even like to win the championship. I mean, for them to even beat the Suns, who won 60, 64 games, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Aiden. I mean, that was amazing right there. And they're 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 stepping to the right direction. They're taking the right step. They're going to the right direction. They're going forward, not backwards. And all Luca needs is all he needs to do next season is to be in shape. He needs to be in shape in the beginning of the season. And they need an all-star. They need they need another star because they cannot win a title with just Luca being the, the only person that can get his shot off and everyone else is like a role player or something like that. They need another star to play it alongside with Luka Doncic because if they want any chance of winning a title, Luka needs another all-star. And right now, props to him for even getting them to the conference finals with other role players and other, you know, all-star caliber or non-all-star caliber players. But right now, what the Mavericks need to do is get another all-star with Luka. All right, next up, the Miami Heat. Their season record was 53 and 29. They had the number one seat in the East. Number one seed, they had the best record in the East and they beat the Atlanta Hawks in the first round in five games. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers in six games. And in the conference finals, they, they fell short. They lost to the Boston Celtics in seven games. L'Oreal, was this season a success failure or neutral? I won't with success. I think that in spite of these injuries that did plague a lot of more opportunities that he would have gotten, they per persevered and they gotten up to this point. And I'm very impressive by that. I'm impressive by Jimmy Butler. The amazing job he's done this season, especially in this playoffs. I'm amazed by Tyler Hero. 
he won six men a year. He shows us how more versatile he can be as a scorer. And he shows how he does have a significant impact and role for this Miami Heat team. I think getting Kyle Lowry, even if you didn't go to the finals, it was still a great experiment to show how much he means to this team. And I think the fact that Miami was able to do what they were able to do, I think you gotta give them props to that. I mean, it could have gone way worse. So the fact that they forced seven games against Boston, they fought to try to get to the finals, and they still managed to have a great season, I think that's a success right there. Yeah, I would definitely say this was a success because no one expected them to even get this far in the first place. I think for me, if you would have told me that they would have been the number one seed, I would have said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't see that. Maybe maybe top four, but not number one. They did that even though Bam missed games, Jimmy Butler missed games, Laurie, P.J. Tucker. Um, you know, like, it is what it is. But I would say this. For the Miami Heat to do this, you know, they had two key additions, Kyle Laurie and P.J. Tucker. They really helped them out a lot to even get this far in the first place. But I got to give them props, though. I mean, even though, you know, I, I, I was going in and out, you know, I was criticizing them because I felt like they were a bubble team two years ago. And, and look, they didn't make it to the finals, but I did give them props because Jimmy Butler showed you that he can be that guy. Well, he could be one of the guys. But at the end of the day, the Miami Heat, they need another they need another guy that can help them out because Jimmy Butler, he can't be carrying this load and expect them to even win a title. I mean, that man looked, looked like he was tired as ever. And Bam and Abao, that man, he needs to step up too. Looking like DeAndre Aiden in the East. I mean, come on now. But the Miami Heat, whatever they have to do to compete for a title for next season and even for the next few seasons, they need to get Butler some help. But I, like I said beforehand, Jimmy Butler has to make a decision. Either he opts in or opts out. If he opts out, then the Miami Heat are going to go take three, four steps backwards instead of going forward. So if everything is going to be relying upon what Jimmy Butler does this summer. So we're going to see what happens. But for the Miami Heat this season, this was a success. So moving on to football right now. And last week, the Las Vegas Raiders gave Kyle Kaepernick an NFL tryout. This is the first time he actually had a fair trial since, I mean, I don't know, since 2016, if you want to be honest, because 2019, we ain't going to talk about 2019. But he he got an NFL tryout. According to reports, Kyle Kaepernick's workout was positive. But it isn't a guarantee that he will get an NFL job next season. We don't know if he's going to be part of the Las Vegas Raiders next season or not. But we'll see what happens. I don't know if he is going to play or not, but we got to make our decisions if we do see it happening. Do you see Kyle Kaepernick playing in the NFL next season? No, I don't. Just because the man hasn't played since 2016, and that's over five years. And even if Kaepernick can be more than capable, I'm sure physically as it is and mentally to go out there and play. It's just not realistic. It's not. It's not realistic to just go ahead and decide to pick up on football, especially when you're playing for a specific organization like the Las Vegas Raiders, who went to the playoffs last year with a Derek Carr and Darren Waller and et cetera. They're trying to make more strides into this season. So if Colin Kaepernick's going to get any kind of role, he might be a backup quarterback in case Derek Carr gets hurt or a third-string quarterback. I don't think Colin Kaepernick is trying to go into the NFL to be a backup quarterback or anything, a third-string quarterback. I don't think he's definitely not going to do that. So when you look into that, it's just too soon to really say that he can just go ahead and go into the league. 
Now, I'm happy for him that he's getting this chance because the fact that this is his first tryout since 2016, that is kind of crazy to think about. But it's amazing to think that he's finally getting his first opportunity. Hopefully, the fact that he's actually getting NFL tryouts, he can start trying out for other teams. Because I think maybe looking into this, let's say it doesn't work out for the Raiders. I think plenty of other teams could benefit trying to get Colin Kaepernick to play. Just like we talked about with the Baker Mayfield thing. Colin Kaepernick is more than capable to play for any kind of team in the NFL. But when you think about the Raiders and just the timeline, I just think it's too soon for him to try to suit up and play for the NFL. I'd rather this be a process where Colin Kaepernick is playing his options. He's laying out his ducks, you know what I'm saying, and trying to figure out what is best for him. And hopefully, at the end of the day, we can get Colin Kaepernick to finally be back in the NFL playing. I would say, you know what? I don't know if he's going to play next season or not. I really don't know. But if I have to come, like if I have only two answers, if, if there was only one answer I could go, if I had to go between yes or no, I would say, oh boy, this is tough. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because part of me want to see him play next season. But part of me is thinking to myself, like, is it going to be with the Raiders, though? I would say this. I would probably say no only because I don't know if it's going to be the Raiders or not. Now, if you look at the Raiders, what other backup quarterbacks do they have? Like, I, I can't think of any backup quarterbacks. All we know who the starting quarterback is, and that is Derek Carr. And you look at the Raiders right now, the position that they are in, they're trying to, I mean, hell, they're trying to get to the playoffs because their division, look, the AFC West is tough as hell. They got the Chargers, the Chiefs, they got the Broncos. So they're trying to get to the playoffs. They don't want to be one of those teams that's not in the playoffs. And the AFC West is already tough. Like the AFC as a conference is tough. So I will say this right now. Oh, man. Like I really want to see Colin Kaepernick play next season, but I don't know if it's going to happen because like I said, they said that it was a good workout. It was like that he got a fair NFL tryout. So at least teams will see. And they say, you know what? Okay, okay we can see what he can do right here. Kyle Kaepernick, I, I disagree with people saying that he doesn't want to be a backup quarterback. Kyle Kaepernick has said it many times that he doesn't mind being a backup quarterback. He doesn't mind going back to the NFL and starting as a backup quarterback. Now, he did say that that doesn't mean he's going to stay there. He wants to prove that he could be a starting quarterback. Now, let's be real. Does anybody believe that there are 64 quarterbacks better than Colin Kaepernick? No. And he hasn't played since 2016. Okay, I, I believe that he could be one of the 64 quarterbacks in the NFL next season. But do I believe it's going to happen next season? No, I, I just don't. I, I wish it was the case, but I don't know. I, maybe if it happens, it happens. I think we'll be happy to see that. But I would like to see him be a backup quarterback for any team that uh, that is available. So, We'll see what happens, but as of right now, I'm going to say no. But I am happy that he was able to get an NFL tryout. Shout out, first of all, shout out to Jim Harbaugh from Michigan to actually, you know, play yes. spring football shout for U of M. Yeah, so shout out for, you know, shout out for Kyle Kaepernick on playing U of M spring football games and whatnot. Uh, I like the fact that Jim Harbaugh helped him out. And not only that, shout out to the Raiders actually, you know, giving him a trial, giving him a fair shot to see how he plays. So, We'll see what happens next season, but my guess would be no as of right now. As of right now, it'll be a no. Moving on to another topic, let's talk about baseball right now. And we're still early in the season, so we got enough time talking about Major League Baseball and whatnot. But anyway, the manager of the San Francisco Giants, Gabe Kavler, has an ongoing protest of skipping the national anthem as a response 
to the Uvalde, Texas shooting that happened last week. And, you know, it's interesting. Last week, we were actually, you know, doing our episode. We were actually recording, doing the Bounce, po- Bounce podcast when this was even going on. And I was yeah. I was amazed that this was going on. I mean, we had, what, the last two sh- mass shootings last month? I mean, Lord have mercy. What the heck is going on? I mean, but on Memorial Day, on Monday, Gabe Kabler did skip his protest for, you know, for the holiday because he wanted to make sure that he was showing, you know, sign respect for the soldiers who, who fought for the country. Now, this ongoing protest, this is day to day. So he resumed that protest on Tuesday. So he will keep on doing this until he felt like that this country would get, get better. So because he is he believes that this country that listen, there's no reason why 18 year olds should be having an assault weapon. No way, no how. He he believes that there should be gun control, which I, I don't blame. I think there should be gun control as well. I was I, was, I just want to bring this up as far as him protesting. A lot of people had an issue when Kyla Kaepernick protests in the NFL. He kneeled during the national anthem because it was a response to black and brown people, you know, going through police brutality. He was saying that there was so much police brutality, black and brown people. I have no problem with Kyle Kaepernick doing that in 2016. I don't have a problem with Gabe Kapler doing that as well. I think that a lot of people have an issue if players or managers kneel or they or they don't show up to the national anthem. It is their right. And I've heard this plenty of times. There are soldiers who have said they have no issue with anybody who wants to show it is their right. If they want to show any signs, as long as you're not disrespecting anybody, when the time comes, I'm all cool with that. It is his right. He broke no laws. He should have the right to do whatever he wants to do. And if Gabe Kapler wants to skip or kneel during the national anthem, that is his right. I Listen, let, let me be real. I don't care if Gabe Kapler would have said, I'm kneeling or I'm skipping the national anthem until abortion is illegal in all states. Now, I would ag- disagree with that, but that would be still be, that would still be his right. But I think that a lot of people want to scrutinize and try to change people's words on why they're skipping or, or kneeling for the national anthem. And if Gabe Kapler wants to have an ongoing protest for the, you know, for the shooting that happened in Texas, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I have no problems with Gabe Kapler doing this. Um, I applaud him for doing this because definitely what's happening within the past few weeks um, in America has been pretty speechless, honestly, to talk about because a lot has been going on with this um, Uvalde shooting, um, the shooting at uh, the top supermarket in Brooklyn, the one in Orange County. It's just been too many that's been going on where it's a lot and it's really daunting and traumatizing to the American people. So, you know, when you think about the fact of sports going on, um, what Steve Kerr said always rings in my head of just what can we do to try to make a change? You know, this has been happening for too long. And at this point, it's not even about gun reform. It's about this country, how it's being ran. Um, The people that we vote for, not even just the president, but the people we vote for that represents the House, that represents the Senate. Those people are important to this country, just like everyone else. So when you think of why we're having these mass shootings and things like that, that's one thing to think about. Um, My thing with Gabe is that I just felt like if you're going to do this, especially when you think about in the context of 
of what he or why he's doing it because he doesn't like the state of America, then keep the same energy. You know what I'm saying? Memorial Day, you should have just kneeled. You should have protested. Because even if Memorial Day is a celebration of soldiers, at this point, we're still living in a state of hell that's called America. So it doesn't make sense to me to try to, you know, skip Memorial Day because you want to give a little praise and honor the store to soldiers. Like, honestly, stop it. Stop it. This is America, America that's been ran by white men who came on to here and made it this country. We get how much the soldiers mean to this country and all of that. We don't have to kiss the ground that they walk on. And I just feel like if Gabe is really serious about protesting because he doesn't like the state of this country, then keep that same energy. You don't skip President Day because it's President Day. You know what I'm saying? Skip that. If you're gonna if you're gonna be upset about what's going on in the country, then you need the protest to express that at all times. You cannot stop. Well, you know, I will say this. A lot, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there are people in, you know, in the private area, you know, you know, in closed doors, there are people in Major League Baseball that have an issue with Gabe Kapler skipping the national anthem. If Gabe Kapler was black, how big would this be in the media? I am because Gabe Kapler is a white guy and listen, the Giants are playing well. They're 27-21, third in the National League West division. They're third in the wild card, you know, so they're, they're playing good baseball. But I am intrigued to see, and this and this is kind of interesting. Gabe Kapler in San Francisco skipping the national anthem. Steve Kerr, the head coach for the Golden State Warriors, talking about the the school shooting in Texas. When are we going to do something about this with the gun shooting? You know, gun reform and everything. And Kyler Kaepernick was with the 49ers when he nailed for the national anthem in 2016. It's interesting that this all is happening in the Bay Area. But I will say this once again. I think that if Gabe Kapler was black, the, the media would have been on this because they would have said, why are you kneeling? Or there would have been someone else that would have said, oh, he's dis- he's disrespecting the, the flag. He's disrespecting our country. He's disrespecting our soldiers. They would have brought that same energy to, to him if he was black, just like they did to Kyle Kaepernick. But because he's a, he's a white manager for the San Francisco Giants, they're like, I have a problem, but I'm not going to talk about it like that. If Dusty Baker was doing this, oh, they would have been on his head. No, yes. best believe it. And and it's like he's in Texas. Dusty Baker's in Texas, and we all know how conservative Texas can be. Yes. So they would have been on his head if that if that was Dusty Baker. But uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know how long he keeps this going because there's a lot of things that needs to change in this country. Before we make our predictions on who we think is going to win the championship between the. Warriors and the Celtics. I just want to bring this up right now. Steph Curry, you know, last week we said, you know, we were impressed with the Warriors. We were impressed with Curry. They made it to the finals for the first time since 2019. Six finals appearance in eight seasons. I want to talk about Steph Curry for a little bit. And Steph Curry, look, he's an all-time great, one of the three, four greatest point guards of all time. He's a top 25 player. There, Listen, I dare anybody to tell me that there are 25 players that were ever better than Steph Curry. Steph Curry is top 25 all time, period. But Steph Curry, three-time champion, two-time MVP, he doesn't have a finals MVP. And so I just want to say this right now. I do believe that if he wants to be in the top 10 conversation, he needs to not only win his fourth championship, he needs to win a finals MVP. Because we can think of a lot of players who won a championship, won MVP, 
or they just won a championship but never won a finals MVP. Jason Kidd, Gary Payton, Scottie Pippen, Clyde Drexler, Ray Allen, Dr. J, Elvin Hayes, Kevin Garnett, Anthony Davis, David Robinson, and Dennis Rodman. They all have won a championship but never won a finals MVP. If Steph Curry wants to be in the top 10 conversation of all time or be in the same, te- t- same table with LeBron, Jordan, Duncan, Magic, Kareem, uh, and other players, he has to win a finals MVP. Absolutely. I mean, for Steph Curry, it's great that he went to the finals. And we know that it's really no surprise that the Warriors have the championship pedigree to keep going back to the finals and to keep making dynasty championship runs. But this time around, Steph is getting older and it's time for him to flip the script. A lot of people, especially since Kevin Durant been a part of the Warriors, are questioning the leadership of Steph. You know, how legitimate Steph is as a superstar. Can he actually be the main echelon, the main generator of this Warriors team? And that's what Steph really has to prove with trying to win his fourth championship and the finals MVP. Can you rise to the top? You're going against Boston, a team that hasn't been in the finals in over a decade. But with these fresh new guys, they're looking to get that championship again. You got to take it away for them. So for Steph, you have to win that finals MVP to set yourself apart. Absolutely. Look, yeah, and, and I don't think that everybody, you know, is trying to dog Steph Curry. It's just that, my mans, you've been to five finals appearances. And you can't win one? Not even one? Now, look, I, I've said this before. I thought 2018, you could make a case that he shouldn't win finals MVP. But outside of that, I mean, come on, Steph Curry. Like, you couldn't win one? Not, not one? Not one. So... It's going to be interesting Interesting to see what happens this year because this is his shot to win a finals MVP or no, this is his shot to win a championship and a finals MVP because they, they ain't giving a Steph Curry if they if the Warriors lose. No way, no how. This ain't, this ain't no 1969 Jerry West Lakers crap, okay? They ain't doing that. So he, need to, he needs to win a finals MVP. All right, folks, and here we go. This is the main event. The 2022 NBA Finals is set, is good. We are here now, and it starts on Thursday, June 2nd. You know the deal is, we got the Boston Celtics versus the Golden State Warriors. The Celtics haven't been here since 2010. You got people, new Boston team, haven't been to the finals at all. New and fresh, this is the first time being in the finals. So we're gonna see what happens with them. With the Golden State Warriors, Six finals appearance in eight seasons. You got a lot of older guys like Curry, Clay, and Draymond, Iggy, and even Kevon Looney. But then you got new fresh legs who's still there who's backing them up. And now we're going to make our predictions. Starting on Thursday, who will win the NBA championship? Who will be the next 2022 NBA champions? Boston, Golden State. Start with you, Loria. I have Boston in seven. I think that this series is much closer than what a lot of people think. I think it's flabbergasting to even just hear that people think that the Warriors or Boston can't even beat the Warriors. Are you serious? This defensive team, this team that made that turnaround in the beginning of the season and has gotten all the way to this stage, 
This same team that beat Milwaukee, that beat Brooklyn, that beat Miami, the same Eastern Conference teams where they couldn't get over that hump, they couldn't get past them, but they got past all of those teams in one season and one run to get to this point. And y'all saying that they can't beat the Warriors. Come on, man, stop it. Boston is well even with the Warriors. Offensively, you got guys that can shoot, whether it be perimeter shots, whether it be shots in the paint, any kind of shots, there are guys who can shoot. You have guys that can play defense, all the guys. Like I said, this personnel on this Boston Celtics team is really, truly amazing. Because when you look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and you look at Al Horford and Grant Williams and Robert Williams and Derek White and Peyton Pritchard, all of these guys play their hearts out day in and day out. And they have shown us that this season. Ime Udoka has shown us that he is able to coach this young team, to galvanize these troops, to get these guys to have that heart, to play as hard as they can. And I just feel like being in this stage at this point in time, Jason Tatum is not going to let the Warriors stop him. Jalen Brown is not going to let the Warriors stop him. They can stop the Warriors. They can limit them, especially Curry. And they can match them just as well as any other team. So at Boston, I think that they have shown us that they are one of the best teams in the NBA. And they are going to win against the Warriors in seven games. You know, I would not be surprised if the Warriors won the title this year. I really would not be surprised. I mean, I think that the Warriors should not be taken lightly. You know, although, listen, we can talk about the, the, their road to the finals all we want to, but at the end of the day, a lot of people did not, did not expect the Warriors to even get to the finals. So credit to them. But I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics on this one. I mean, not because I have the jersey here. It's not because of that. Here's the reason why. The Boston Celtics has shown you that they have had the tougher road to the finals than the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors, yes, they beat the Denver Nuggets. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies. They beat the Dallas Mavericks to get in this position. But the Warriors have never faced a team like the Boston Celtics. It's like this. Imagine the Warriors going against the Memphis Grizzlies, but you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that you have to worry about as well. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be tough. It's going to be physical. It's going to be a grit and grind. The Boston Celtics have been the best team since January, if you want to be exact. They've been the best team post All-Star break. They had the best defensive team since January. They are legit and they should not be looked over. They should not be looked over or under. The Boston Celtics have two of the three best players in this series and the Boston Celtics are going to get the job done. They're going to win this championship for the first time since 08. And I might be, I might go to the parade if you ask me. I might go to the parade, you know, head up to Boston and say, this is what this is, this is, this is for us. This is for for KG. This is for Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Ronda yeah. Ronda. You already know the deal is, you know what I'm saying? But Tatum Brown, Smart, the legacy is here. Ime Udoka, Horford, you don't y'all know what I'm saying, but like I said, Boston is gonna beat the Go to State Warriors in six games. And that is the gospel truth. All right, folks, that's it for the Bounce Podcast, episode 75. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, iHeartRadio, and on YouTube, folks, and Pandora. You know the deal is. Like, comment, subscribe. Download us, folks. I want you guys to share this to your family members, to your friends, to your associates. You know the deal is. We always hear it every single time. 
Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NBA Finals and see what happens. Thank you for listening to the Bounce Podcast, episode 75. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. Peace! Peace!